Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? Shall we do this? I mean, I guess. All right. Let's let's start let's start this one that way. Just the monotony. I just just do this whole podcast with my arms folded, really pissed off. (laughs) You can hear it. You can hear it in his voice. How he's just like he's he's Charlie Brown sighing the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies, gentlemen, and anyone in between, welcome back to What Do You Got? This is episode 59. Uh, Last week was Thanksgiving, so we we unfortunately did not get the chance to put out an episode then. Um, But guess what? It's coming out now. So this episode will be out on December 3rd. December 3rd is the day that this episode will air, and we hope you enjoy it. And for future episodes and future listeners, we hope you enjoy those ones too. It's a marshmallow um, time of the season. <laughs> uh, when the snow comes to cover the ground. Um, this article is very short, uh, but I urge you, if you are listening to the episode, to definitely check the article out because the images are really fascinating. So it's only like three or four paragraphs, but then it's just a bunch of images. Um, the title of this article is if, uh, it's from boardpanda.com. Uh, And the title of this article is 17 Rare Picks Reveal a Fake Rooftop Town Built to Hide Boeing's Factory from Japanese Airstrikes. I found this and was immediately enthralled by it just because of what an insane idea this was back in the 1940s. The the sheer volume of wacky shit we did during World War II. (laughs) It's, it's, It's like astronomical and it's... It's just so cool. And like, I, I really do recommend you checking out the images uh, if you are listening along to this episode because it's just really cool to see the, the, the fake town that they built. Um, so I, I'm going to read through the article real quick because, again, it is a short one. So we'll be able to get into the pitch quite quickly here. Uh, so during World War II, one B-17 bomber cost a little over $200,000 to produce. It's about three point four million in today's economy. Since the U.S. That's Army a fucking requests, bargain still. That's 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 still a pretty good pretty good deal. I'd I'd go halvesies with you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and since the U.S. Army requested thousands of these warplanes, they wanted to take every measure when recurring the Boeing factory that produced them. And by every measure, sorry, securing the Boeing factory. And by every measure, I mean hiring Hollywood set designers to build a fake neighborhood atop it and getting actors to inhabit the area. So protecting it from potential airstrikes, the movie prop quote neighborhood was constructed in 1944 and it was removed a year after the war. John Stewart Detlai, I'm going to say, was the Hollywood set designer who helped hide the Boeing plant number two. Using the name techniques as in movie towns, fake streets, sidewalks, trees, fences, cars, and houses were set in place to fool the would-be attackers. Underneath it, 30,000 men and women were constructing about 300 bomber planes per month to support the fight against Nazis. 
Boeing B-17 Flying Fortress has dropped over 640,000 tons of bombs over Germany alone during the conflict, and of the 12,731 Boeing planes built, about 50 remain in complete form. Hmm. In the 1960s, the first Boeing 737s were assembled in Plant 2, but finished in the neighboring Thompson site, where the production of the 737 was eventually moved to. In the 1980s, the site was used as a machine shop, but that was discontinued, so work uh, shifted to more modern facilities. Ultimately, the structure fell into decay, and in 2010, Boeing began the demolition of the Warcraft plant, which makes me so sad because, my God, how cool would this be as a museum to be able to go visit? I I mean, yes, absolutely for that. And you'd have to have like helicopter tours and all that shit just so you can see what, what hypothetical Japanese bombers would have seen. But also... The first thing that came into my mind when I heard this story is an episode of Arrested Development where they have to trick Japanese foreign investors <laughs> to, into believing that they've built a neighborhood of model homes. So they yeah. put up some models on a little hill out in the garden and they try to use perspective <laughs> tricks to make them think they're looking out at a neighborhood. Yeah. And then someone accidentally <laughs> destroys it wearing a Godzilla costume. But regardless... <laughs> That's the it's, level of shenanigans this is. It's so fascinating. And seeing these photos, the cool black and whites, uh, the idea is that the the houses and trees weren't like to scale because from bird's eye view, they don't need to be. So you can see the people walking around trees and houses. They're about, they're about you know, a foot taller than. So mm. there's like these small, not fully detailed houses because, again, they don't need to be if you're flying 30,000 feet above the air, you're not going to see like, hey, those windows aren't real. Um, <laughs> so at, at first glance, the first image, it says, looks like an ordinary day in a small village with people enjoying the sun outside. But underneath the peaceful town was a big military secret, which was the Boeing factory. And if you look at these images, you can see like overhanging off the sides of the rooftop are fake hills and and trees and grasslands and stuff to kind of make it look more realistic from the sky and you can see that in the third image uh they give you kind of a, a an angled shot to see the side that faces the <coughs> river uh so you can see the actual overhang but mm -hmm. if you're actually looking straight down it literally just looks like another yeah. small a small town area that the the streets actually like from the top of the roof match where they would be on ground level it's just it's a really cool concept and then in the fourth image is where you can kind of see that the houses and the trees aren't crazy big the trees were actually made of chicken wire and feathers and they had some fun with it the street signs uh named synthetic street and burlap boulevard um <laughs> you could see the miniature bungalows like the houses are you know about a third the size of people and then the fake bushes, they have these like box area things that look like cars from the top, but it's really just, it looks like a, a fake kid's fort that would be like, you know, a pillow fort or something. It's just really cool. It's it's a two-dimensional world that you can essentially explore in three dimensions. Yes. Yeah. That's a Which perfect really way weird. of putting it. That's a perfect way of putting it. Um, and then... Uh, they show some images from inside the plant as well. Some of the cockpits of the planes. They show uh, Rosie the Riveter, actually. There's an image of her working on one of the uh, Boeing planes because she worked there. Um, there's a short 50-second yeah, clip uh, about, the, about the town that you can watch as well. And then there's the Google view of what it looks like now, which is you know just a, a basic Boeing uh, aircraft carrier 
uh, factory and, you know, um, yeah, it's air, airstrip and stuff. Airport. Yeah. Boo. Those, are the, those are the words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's basically the article. It's it's a fascinating kind of trick of the eye. Uh, again, like Rob said, we had a lot of those during World War Two. Uh, and this is this is one of the most interesting or unique ones that I think I've found at least. Um, but yeah, that's that's our that's our fake rooftop town, and we're gonna do our best to pitch a movie based around it. Like, imagine I, I can only imagine what it's like. You're you're a Japanese uh, member of the Air Force. Yeah, you're flying a spy plane. You're continually frustrated because you're finding no targets whatsoever to mark for for any possible sabotage or bombing. Yeah. 50 years go by. <laughs> You're an old man. You're, it's, You've it's retired. Yes, the, the sunset of your life. Japan has, Japan has changed. You're proud of your war service. And you slowly move your finger, your decrepit ancient finger across the trackpad of your laptop. And you see this. <laughs> and you're just like, motherfucker, I flew over that. <laughs> And then you die. <laughs> and then you die, as is one to happen. <laughs> at any moment at that age. Also, uh, uh, just just a quick heads up. My, my kitty cat is playing with a, a belled toy in the hallway. So if you hear some jingle jangles, that's him. You, do you have a brick handy you can throw at him? Or? No, we give him loves and scritches. Uh, well, anyway. I mean, Rob doesn't have love in his life. Um that's why he doesn't live at home because they have dogs. And he's like, no, I hate all fluffy, happy creatures. This is a bald face lie. My arms are crossed <laughs> so hard. Is it a um, bald face lie, Rob? Or yeah. is it a bold face lie? <laughs> Which one is correct? I think it's bold face. Bald face oh. does not make sense to me. Let's tangent. Let's find out right now. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is it's a top result from Miriam Webster. <laughs> Apparently, this is it. This is this is an issue that people have. Wait, I really want to know the answer now, though. The um, the original is barefaced lie. Barefaced lie. It seems both bold faced and bald faced are used, but bald faced is decidedly the preferred term in published edited text. That's interesting because I've never heard bald bald faced lie. I've always heard bold faced lie. Shit, we're learning things today, fam. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll take it, and I kind of want to name the film Barefaced now. <laughs> That's our, our big tangent of the day. Uh, yeah. Be sure to bookmark Miriam Webster in your laptops, everyone. It's very useful. Um, <laughs> so now for the important question. Nick, what do you got? All right. So my goal here was to make a movie that was not just the Truman Show. Um, so I kind of went the exact opposite route of that so i'm i'm pitching a psychological thriller that takes place in the 1950s so a little bit after world war ii we're kind of in the height of the cold war mm -hmm. um we've discussed the cold war ad nauseum on the podcast but we're gonna do it again um and you're gonna like it <laughs> and if you don't turn it up don't turn it off please please keep listening we need if it. you stop listening <laughs> we don't exist <laughs> please please keep listening to the podcast um so my my premise is uh about a government agency that hires a group of actors to play a fake family in a small town so they have a fake house built um or 
it could just be a house that they rent, whatever. But uh, they have a, a group of actors pretend to be a family inside the house. I only have three family members. I didn't want to do any children since this is going to be a psychological thriller. Um, I have a husband, a wife, and then a father figure, maybe a the, the wife's father or the husband's father. Um, and the idea is that the U.S. government has learned that there are I went with Soviet spies just because Cold War, we can do anything. Um, Soviet spies have moved into the uh, on the same street and they kind of want to keep an eye on them. Um, but they also want to uh, edge the spies into the wrong direction. So kind of making them think that the actors are government agents, but they're not. They're just hired paid actors. Uh. Um, so the premise is that the Soviet spies are kind of being thrown off the scent. Uh, but the main twist is that one day the actor playing the father, um, not one day over time, the actor playing the father starts to truly believe that they are a family and ends up holding the fake wife and fake father hostage. Um, oh dear. And basically forcing them to live a familial life with him in this small house. Um, <laughs> all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Very much so. It's, I, I want this shit to be dark as hell. Uh, the title of my film is Makeshift. The My director of choice is Jeremy Saulnier, uh, who directed Green Room, because that uh, movie is gritty as all hell. Oh, I love Green Room. And then my cast, I have uh, Killian Murphy as my government agent, so kind of like their handler. I have Miles Teller as the husband who's going to go crazy. I have Mia Goth, who I'm absolutely obsessed with right now, as the wife. And then I have Steve Carell as the father figure in a dramatic oh role for him. My. <laughs> <laughs> so my goal is to have Miles Teller basically kidnap and hold hostage Mia Goth and Steve Carell, forcing them to pretend like they're a loving family. Uh, yeah, but what happens in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> to the point where, like I said, I want this to be very dark to the point where Miles Teller's character is, we're, I'm not going to have like a rape scene or anything like that, but the idea that he's trying to plan for a family with Mia Goth. Oh uh, yeah. That puts a bit of a, uh, uh, a stopwatch on the, uh, on yeah. the offense. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Right. <laughs> definitely don't. I definitely don't want to go that far, obviously, but the idea of him kind of like preparing for a child, maybe like since he thinks, since he thinks everything is real, maybe it's the idea that he believes she's pregnant and yeah, he's she could put a pillow under her dress to buy. Time. Yeah. 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 To kind of buy her time. Exactly. Yeah. So he, he starts, you know, building a crib and a, a baby's room and stuff like that. And uh, Steve Carell and Mia Goth are trying to figure out how the hell to get out of this. Um, but yeah, I want to, I want to send Miles Teller down a really dark road. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is, that is my pitch. It is quite dark. Uh, one of the darkest films I've probably pitched and we'll see how dark or light it ends up becoming. So Rob, what do you got? <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see you and I went in pretty similar directions. Ooh, nice. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned the Truman show and that's really one of the first things that has to come into your head Of course, when you think about a fake town scenario. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's been done really. You're not going to better the Truman show yeah, uh, from that perspective. That's exactly uh, the reason I didn't want to go that route. I was like, you're not going to touch that. So Exactly. And, you know, uh, Olivia Wilde recently tried something kind of similar with uh, Don't Worry Darling, uh, yeah. which was uh, Don't Worry Dog Shit. 
Ooh, was it really? Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Truly, truly made no sense to me uh, in its structure, which is weird because Olivia Wilde's directorial debut was so like astoundingly good. There was a bidding war for like who was going to get to distribute this. Hmm. And then we got a movie that's composed of nothing but behind the scenes drama and people acting in very different films at each other. Um, okay, so good. actually, before you get into your pitch, I'm curious yeah. about that. W- did it feel like everyone was kind of disconnected in the film? Like everyone was kind of acting for a different style, like you're saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you've got Harry Styles and Florence Pugh on the same set doing a very dramatic scene with each other, those are two varying levels of preparation and, and, and ability in that field. Hmm, okay. Um, you know... I can see why she originally had cast Shia LaBeouf in that role. Right. Um, Mia Goth's baby daddy. <laughs> yes. Um, Looney Tune. Of course, he he has since gone to rehab, and apparently he's doing much better. So, Yeah. yeah. Uh, he did a podcast with John Bernthal I would recommend. I, listening I listened to. to some of it. Not the whole thing, but I did listen to some of it. Very he is a, the, raw. The two, the, yeah, very raw. The two of them together felt very accurate. I don't know if that's the right word, but like the, they kind of match each other's personality and energy and not in a bad way. Obviously, no, no. you know, uh, Shia LaBeouf is a recovering addict and I don't remember if John said he was also, did he? I, I know he talked about experience with it. I'm not sure if he mentioned that, but yeah. like, I like John Bernthal's podcast a lot. He's an, I think a good example of positive masculinity. He's yeah, absolutely. He's also one of those guys that are really good at listening. Like I listened to some of the one he had with Sarah Wayne Callies um, when they were talking about Walking Dead and everything. He's just a really good listener for his podcast. He lets his guests tell their story and then adds little things when necessary. Yeah, it's a good show. Recommended. Uh, Let's get back to your. uh, Yeah, so we we've had you know plenty of movies from the perspective of a person who's living in a fake scenario figuring it out um and we can do better or we can do better perspectives i would say Mm -hmm. so my movie also takes place in kind of an americana period like yours uh it's called clockwork and it is from the perspective of someone who is helping put on a ruse okay uh that is that is who the main character is is they are one cog in this machine uh, so my cast is Anya Taylor-Joy, Paul Dano, and Steven Yeun. Um, Paul Dano and Steven Yeun are people working on an unnamed um, sort of top-secret government weapons project. You could imply maybe that it's the Manhattan Project. You could imply that it's something else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the uh, it's the MacGuffin, really. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, but for the purposes of this project, it's so top-secret more than just sort of having them quarantined or, you know, uh, sworn to secrecy. Is it, um, uh, is it a, a present day? I, you know, I'm, you I'm vacillating. I, I like the sort of classic American period of the fifties. So I, I, I was leaning towards that. Okay. Yeah. Also make it, it might make it easier, but we can discuss that when we get to the, the grid of both of ours. Yeah. It's, um, that's, that's one thing about like setting things in present day when it has to do with like, I don't know, hostage situation or, you know, something like that. There's way more easy outs in present day. Yes. Than, than there were in the, in the past, obviously. Uh, so, you know, these two are, are scientists working on this project. 
and uh, you know the government stole. We we rented you a house, uh, or we rented you two houses, whatever, <laughs> uh, in this this nice town. Uh, all, everything's going to be taken care of for you there. You can bring your families if you want, yada yada. But of course, the whole town is a complete setup to make mm-hmm. sure you know these guys aren't leaking information to foreign powers they aren't uh, talking out of turn uh to make sure that their mental states are kept in a good place for their work on the project mm-hmm. um so it, it's this complete sort of uh 1984-esque uh running of their lives with complete monitoring uh, and which they are blissfully unaware of i think in a, in a manner that say like the truman show eventually okay. is, is about that psychological turn of figuring it out uh, and breaking out. I don't know if they ever actually do, but uh, Anya is is one of the people in the town. Um, I, I believe living on the same block as them. I wanted her to have. She works at a coffee shop that they go to all the time. Okay. Um, starts to develop feelings for one of them. I think, and it's more from her perspective as is this right? What we're doing? They think they are living full lives, but they have no, no connection to anyone, mm-hmm. really. Um, this is, you know, the most pleasant prison. Right. Uh, essentially. It's, it's an interesting concept because it's the idea of them basically, this is their like nine to five job, right? But it's all the time. And it's kind of the idea that like, it's not bad, but it's also not real. And that's yep. that's where people start having a, a dichotomy, a battle in their brain. Yeah. And the, the big reason I wanted to go with someone who is, you know, in on it is... Again, going back to the Truman Show, you know, these people, especially the ones playing people in their lives, don't seem to get to have a lot of their own life, despite how well they're paid and kind of how famous they get from this. Like the guy who plays Truman's best friend, I'm like, he's around like all the time. They have to show up in the middle of the night sometimes with beers. And so this guy, this has got to be like, you know, the only real friendship he has. And it's completely fake. So how does that psychologically affect those people is a question I thought would be really cool to explore. Yeah, that's fascinating. I like it. Um, uh, oh, wait, I forgot. My director is Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes. Why do I know that name? Who is that? Uh, he's directed a lot of Star Trek movies. He's directed yep. a, a metric shit ton of television. Okay. Just so much television. <laughs> Almost too much. <laughs> yep. It, it, yeah, it might be too much television. <laughs> um, <laughs> name a show. He's probably directed at least one episode of it. Let's see. Let's see. Jonathan. I'm not I'm not inviting you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm gonna anyway. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's an impressive resume. Oh, he's uh, beyond fact or fiction. Yes, beyond belief, fact or fiction. <laughs> yeah, that's why I know him. Do you ever have your bicycle stolen? <laughs> Ever take All a right. long walk on the beach in the moonlight? <laughs> I love no, the uh, the collection. We completely made all. it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love the collection of all of those when it's just yeah. the questions he asks. Believe it, it's fact <laughs> <laughs> or fiction. Who knows? Yeah, Who can when, tell? <laughs> when you when you collect all of the you know because he starts every uh, story with like a question and then explains some context. Yeah, I'm like when you watch a compilation of just the questions. It truly feels like you're being interrogated after being injected with LSD by the secret police. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, so let's let's see if we can push this push this together uh, and and make a thing out of it, mm-hmm. shall we? Yeah. Um, we, we are in the same vein, so that's that's an easy start. Um, 
So you brought the, you brought this up before uh, as to the time period and how difficult it is to do in the modern era. Right. I think we can do it. Okay. And I think it's a good challenge to consider how we would do it uh, because those details would be really interesting to an audience as well. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Do we do we do a single family home? Do we do a street sort of like a the monsters are do on Maple Street situation where it's like let's one... do a street? Yeah, this okay. could be fun with more of an ensemble. Okay, yeah, um, and then that way we can actually make it that my Miles Teller character isn't maybe not the lead, but he's kind of a B plot. Yeah, different people. The way they the react scenario. yeah. as they're as they're forced to kind of consider this quote reality, how they respond to it. Right. You have yeah. some people that are like, this is my job and that's fine. And this is what I do. And, you know, I go to bed at night and they pay for my uh, they pay for my housing. And that's awesome. Sure. I'll yeah. pretend to be this person. But then how does that play tricks on your mind? And I think that's yeah. that's what's the really fascinating part here of these, you know, these people literally just being like, this is this is what I do for work. But as time goes on, at what point do you disassociate your reality from actual reality yeah you know be imagine being in a play for 24 hours straight yeah yeah Incredible. exactly so i think we can have three insiders um which i would probably refer to as the collaborator the one who's 100 in on it the rebel exactly. the one who's becoming very concerned for the ones they're watching and then you know you're sort of your jack torrance-esque one who uh completely buys into it yeah with a psychotic break so we've got two of those. We got Andy Taylor Joy and we got Miles Teller. Right. Uh, we should probably have a third who is, you know, the company, the company line person. Um, I mean, that for me would have been Killian Murphy. So we can use him. Okay, perfect. Because uh, then we got Miles Teller, Killian, and we got Anya Taylor Joy. I do want to bring in Steve Carell because I do want this to be a drama, and I love that man in drama. Of course. Um, so we can have him play still. I, I guess we can just keep him with Miles Teller. He can be his fake father. Yeah. Um, the two of them are living in the house together. And, you know, he's, oh, what if he's like taking, quote unquote, taking care of his father? Like that's his character. And it's yeah. sort of like a Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Yeah. And that sort of requires him to be like around more often. Yeah, in the neighborhood, like he doesn't get out as much as the other cast members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is his function. It's so he can watch the house more often. You know what's also really fascinating about this from a script standpoint is we have it where when the characters are speaking to each other on this street, everything is being recorded, so they have to stay in character no matter what. So yep. we have a character talking to Miles Teller and realizing that Miles Teller is not okay but they have to stay in character so they can only say certain things. That would be a really fascinating um, challenge for the, from a script yeah. standpoint. You know, Hey, uh, are you feeling okay? Uh, yeah. Look like you might've eaten some bad barbecue there, buddy. No, dad's yeah. just, you know, dad's, dad's been having issues climbing the stairs recently. So blah, 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 blah. And yeah. You know, we haven't seen William in a little bit. Next time we have a, a neighborhood cookout, you know, you should, uh, we, we can all help out. You should bring him by. Yeah, we give it sort of a 50s style aesthetic, but keep it present day. Is yeah. is Don't Worry Darling present day? Yes and no. Okay, all right. Because I wanted to make sure I wasn't just like following off of that because that felt very like 50s. In a simulation. Okay. That is like the 50s. 
Interesting. But okay. Is from the present day. Ooh. Is that a spoiler? Yes. We should probably tell that to the to the audience ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't encourage people to watch it. I kind of want to watch it because you don't encourage it. <laughs> um, Just uh, it's the uh, uh, but yeah, I like that idea a lot, and that's that's a really challenging script that I think we'd have a lot of fun with. You know, we can show how they are basically spoofing um, social media websites, right? And like the daily sort of news coming in on the internet, they have to, you know, they've pre-prepared so much content on what is just a local area network. Not only that, but that's actually a really good analogy for social media, right? We were literally just talking about this in the group chat, kind of. It's the idea that people are only showing their best selves, right? It's all staged. It's all fake. They're not going to show something bad. So from a standpoint of this village, if you will... Um, everything looks great from the outside, but is, is not even, even remotely good on the inside. Um, and it's kind of an analogy for, for kind of staging that what you see is not what's really there. Oh, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a meta commentary on the theater of everything. Yeah. And then just the idea of having these characters forced to stay in, um, forced to stay in character the entire time like what if for whatever reason they leave the street you know they're going to the shop or something that's like uh you know a couple miles Mm -hmm. away they get to be themselves because they're no longer being watched or recorded Um, but like how you know how hard is it to to break you know when you when you go down to the grocery store exactly Am I, am I talking casually as myself or is this like the lingering elements of my character? Exactly. Yeah. You're starting to talk to people at the grocery store that are not actually a part of this experiment. And you're telling them things as if it's your real life because it's just kind of in your subconscious now. Mm-hmm. That's Ooh. fascinating. Yeah, that's creepy. That's very creepy. Let's, actually. <laughs> let's, um, let's focus up on the reasoning it's happening because my reason was that they're there, the house was there to spy against or, or be a, uh, a catalyst to the Soviet spies so that they kind of lead them on a, a fake goose chase. Yeah. You had a trap. I had a more classic observation scenario. Yeah. Um, Cause what was yours exactly again? It was the, they're Mine is that the two of them a... were working on a top secret project, um, you know, allusions to the Manhattan project, but it doesn't have to be that it can just mm-hmm. be, you know, again, it's, it's the MacGuffin. It's a red herring. Yeah. 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 Um, so how would we do that with a full street of actors? If we were to do that, something's being worked on or why, why are all of these actors hired to pretend to be a, a neighborhood street? That's the question. To to completely control, uh, the flow of information from these two people who are the most vital people to this beyond top secret project. Oh, so you're saying that you're no chance for leaks, no chance for spying. It's they've completely controlled their work life and now they have created a home life, essentially a terrarium to put these people into. Gotcha. Okay, so you're saying that the two characters are kind of forced into this neighborhood so that they can control everything and they think this is their real world. Yep. Okay. That's it. And which which characters were that? Were that Steve? That was, uh, Steve that was Paul and... Dano and Steven Yun. Okay. Okay. Um 
I would probably add a third because we've got a trifecta of observers now. So, uh, Mia John Goth. David Washington. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mia Goth has to be with Miles Teller. <laughs> okay, so we are keeping her there. Okay, good. Yeah, that, yeah. That works for me. More hostages. Um, okay, so then we basically just keep our whole cast. That's fine. Yeah, I love it. We can do that. Um, okay, so John David Washington, you said? Yep. John uh, David wash john david wash he's gonna be in a new creed yeah you know sometimes our our cast get a little big but i just looked at the complete cast for christopher nolan's oppenheimer movie oh god it's like 20 20 a list i don't know i don't know what the fuck he's doing i truly yeah. like i've never looked at something i haven't seen a trailer you know i i, I obviously only know the there, plot is about there Alan is oppenheimer. a trailer out yeah i haven't seen it but i like how is it possible yeah to have this train load of people in a film and have everyone matter yeah yeah that's the interesting part right especially because you have killian murphy playing the title character is everyone else an ensemble or is he a part of the ensemble is you know we can't focus on one person for too long if you have that many names yeah you're just going down the list and it's it's a-lister after a-lister and they don't seem to be you know trivial roles i'm like okay you're playing richard feynman like, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. All this, and that's like at the bottom. Yeah, and in the event you have not, you've been living under a rock and don't know who's in Oppenheimer. Here's just a couple of the actors that are going to be in this movie. Yeah, Florence buckle Pugh, up. <laughs> Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Gary Oldman, Killian Murphy, Matt Damon, Kenneth Branagh, Rami Malek. Uh, who else do we got? That's like a major, a major name. Um. You got Keep Alden Ehrenreich. Yep. You got Josh Hartnett. There's a lot of people in this movie. Casey Affleck. Well, Casey Affleck, we don't really want to talk about. But um, <laughs> uh, Dan DeHaan. Dan DeHaan. <laughs> um, yep. Jason Clark is in it. Josh Peck is going to be in it. It's like, insane. And, you, and you've just said like a quarter of the cast at this yeah. point, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is a slew of people that are going to be in this film. Excellent use of the word slew. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so rarely do I get to hear that in conversation. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Uh, I think I like clockwork, but is is it too much marketing-wise? Is it too much clockwork orange? It's such a major word yeah. for a film title. Yeah, it's, it's heavy. We'd have to really, we'd have to earn it, and I don't think we've earned it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What was um, yours? Mine was makeshift. Makeshift is not bad. Makeshift could work. Wait, I feel like we've used that. Ooh, have or at we? Least talk, or at least talked about it before. Let's see real quick if we've ever used it as a published episode. Like, that uh, immediately struck me as being super familiar. It does, actually. You're right. I am not seeing it as a published episode. Let's see. Oh, we did. We did. It was the episode. Uh, it was the episode featuring Megara Hope. Uh-huh. Makeshift was the title of the film. Yep. The cross country car race. Yep. Because <laughs> it's kind See, of this, fun. This is what happens when you do this many of these. When you yeah. do these many pitches, you're not going to remember everything we've ever done. <laughs> I have a proposal. One of us said this word earlier. Terrarium. Oh, yes, you did. Yes. I, I, I also love a good terrarium. <laughs> <laughs> terrarium works for me absolutely especially with the kind of ensemble piece we're going with 
and we can make the poster look weird so it looks like terror yeah and also maybe a glass bowl and then people will be like oh it's the simpsons movie <laughs> and then we go yes that is what we're doing <laughs> simpsons did it <laughs> simpsons did it um who do we do as our director uh yours okay even though we're probably well i guess we can go a little bit more violent on it yeah, things can break down. You know, we, yeah. we, we still have a bit of a third act to get through. Yeah, I, I am honestly only really familiar with his work in Green Room, so I'm just going to check what other uh, what other films he has done in recent past. Not many. He's in post-production right now for a movie called Rebel Ridge. Okay. Um, with James Badge Dale, David Denman, James Cromwell, Anna Sophia Robb. Uh, he did two episodes of True Detective. The last feature film he did was Hold the Dark, which was with Jeffrey Wright and Alexander Skarsgård and James Badgedale. He likes working oh. with So, um, you know, Green Room coming up, I, Anton Yelkin being one of the great losses our generation has experienced of actors. Absolutely. Have you seen the documentary they made about him? I have not. I didn't even know they made a documentary on him. Yeah, it was made in cooperation with his family. It's called Love hmm. and Tosha, uh, which is like what a... Uh, a Ukrainian parent would call right, um, right. someone named Anton and Tosh. Um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff about him and what kind of person he was. There was also the revelation in it that uh, no one knew this. He had cystic fibrosis. Oh, did uh, he really? Yeah, that he was he was living with. Um, it, a lot of really cool stuff in that. And uh, Nicholas Cage was a big fan of his, and he wound up uh, narrating the movie, actually. Interesting. I'm, I'm on his IMDb right now, the last live-action film, because his last role was the Troll Hunters animated on Netflix, but his last live-action role was with Nick Cage in a movie called Dark. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I've never man. even heard of this. Um, he he was absolutely one of my favorites. Um, yeah. Ever since I saw him in, I don't remember, it was probably Charlie Bartlett that made me really love him which was a fascinating film that I want to rewatch because I have not seen it since it came out in 2007. The first thing I remember him in is uh, uh, Alpha Dog, which is... Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like two years before, yep. Yeah, an extremely difficult yeah, film, but a, he's incredible in it. It's a heavy film for sure. Um, yeah, Justin really Timberlake in a very good role. Yeah, a lot of people surprising <laughs> yeah. in that movie. That's I, I, I think that's probably when Justin Timberlake really made his bones as like, Oh, hey, the dancing man can act. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Um, awesome. Yeah, what's the what's the name of the the documentary? Love of and Tosha. Love and Tosha. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely check that out. That yeah, one's really nice. That one that one hurt a lot. Um, okay. We I mean this is this has come together pretty fast. Yeah, have... let's let's talk a little bit about the climax of the movie. And maybe a little um, bit, a little bit about like each character's arc. Yeah. So you know, we've got a, a collaborator watcher. We've got the one who's increasingly of the opinion that they should be getting out of this, mm-hmm. and we've got Miles Teller who's buying into it. The climax probably revolves around him because he's through that he's the one who's probably going to come the closest to shattering the illusion mm-hmm. uh, by essentially starting a crisis on the street. Okay, yeah. Um, um, you know, the ones they're observing, I, I, I think in the process of this, are going to be the secondary characters. Okay, yeah. In, uh, um, in who specifically do you think would be a good focus? 
probably, hmm. I mean, it's definitely split between those three, but probably Anya Taylor-Joy the most. Okay. And she was the rebel one, you said, right? Yeah. She's the one that thinks they should leave. Yeah. Okay. So we have... We have her wanting to re- uh, to leave. Who did you say was the um? Oh no, collaborator. That word. That was Killian Murphy. That's Killian Murphy. Okay. Yeah. So do we have him actually in the neighborhood, or is he kind yep. of there? Okay. So he's kind of uh, kind of a watchdog almost. Yeah. Oh, we can even do kind of a meta commentary on you know him having been an Oppenheimer, and yeah. having be a plant that they work with. Like he's with he's with them at work and he's with them at home. Ooh, okay, okay. He's kind of uh, almost the puppet master, if you will. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah. By the end, if like he's kind of the project lead and he hasn't told anyone yet. Yeah, this is actually his project because I think if I think it's too cliche if we have it in the end that Stephen Yoon and Paul Dano are actually just a social experiment. I think, yeah, I, I, it, it kind of distracts focus from like the more interesting psychological elements we were talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that works. So we would have to have it that there's, so we can't just have Killian Murphy be the puppet master in terms of the whole thing is an experiment to see how these two people react. That's a little too Twilight Zone-y, even though this whole premise is quite Twilight Zone. Um, yeah. But I think we do. I like the idea of never knowing what they're actually working on. Like you said, make it a make it a red herring. Um, we can hint at different things, and we could even throw the audience off the trail by hinting at multiple things for each character. Like Steve Yoon's character thinks they're working on one thing, or or at least tips off that they're working on one thing, and Paul Dano's character tips off that they're working on something else. So even the audience is never quite sure what's real. Yeah. Like it, it, that's part of you know these actors, if you would, are are probably not uh, fully in on it, so they don't right. really know either. So right. getting conflicting information that can be part of you know what is what is breaking Miles and what is breaking Annie Taylor Joy, and maybe even putting some chinks in the armor of yeah of uh, of Killian if he's if he's not like hundred percent in charge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, what is our climax? How does this actually end? I mean, um, I think that the, the, the climax I think we've had from the start, which is which is uh, you saying that Miles gets violent, mm-hmm. um, but the but falling we were... action from there okay. is, is is really what we have to talk more about. Like, so what does that incident do? Yeah, because um, because he we were going to keep him as kind of a B plot, so he was going to be. His his arc is not the catalyst of the film, I would say, but maybe it's kind of what brings everything crashing down. Yeah, you have the one character who finally snaps, maybe to the point where does he end up killing Steve Carell? Ooh, yeah, I think he does. And he kind of plays it as if like Dad died of old age, and now everyone is like really walking on eggshells around this one guy. Yeah, and like you know, they can't keep the lid on it anymore. Yeah, and I imagine probably the project gets shut down, and they're going to do it somewhere else, and they're not going to take any of these people along. Ooh, okay. I kind of like that as kind of a very 
quick ending it feels in a way sort of raiders of the lost ark to me kind of like let's lock this away and just kind of not talk about it but what if we do kind of like a not a post-credit scene because it's not getting a sequel or anything but what if we do it where like the final shot is miles teller applying for a job as another actor at, under a different name for like the new location creepy as shit i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah at the end it's just like you you see the shots from behind him and then like the guy sitting down at the desk waiting to take uh auditions or whatever is like name yeah. and the camera pans peroxide blonde him. hair <laughs> yep and the camera pans around to him and he says a different name i love that i love that a lot yeah that's good this one came together quite quick and i gotta say this is kind of one i really want to write because from a script standpoint this could be an awesome challenge sure could i i I think like the the real boon of this process was the fact that both of us went well i'm not doing the fucking truman show (laughs) i'm not gonna touch that (laughs) so what does that lead me with and there's a lot of toys in that box yeah Ooh, i like that line good line yeah well played. <laughs> Sometimes I say things good. Sometimes he does words well. Um, <laughs> awesome. I, I've got words. I've got the best words. You wouldn't even believe it. <laughs> um, great. So uh, that was a full pitch. Rob, I'm going to uh, let, let's let's cut the recording for one quick second here, just because I want to say I haven't asked Katie how she wants to be credited. Um, if she wants to use her full name or if she wants to use her streamer name. So let's do the streamer name for now. Okay. Do you want to do that or should we, should we ask her and hold off and then just post about it? You know, um, let's just say we have a very special guest upcoming. Okay. All right. Um, All right. So let's go from there. So clap back in. (laughs) Um, That was an awesome pitch. We got that together relatively fast with an awesome cast. And I'm super excited about where we could take that one. Um, For episode 60, we are, that's right. Episode 60, which hopefully will be on time. It depends on when we can get our special guests to record with us since we always like to do those episodes in person. So we do have to record in person for that one. It's a better Um, energy. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, especially when we're bouncing off someone new. We we were originally going to announce who that special guest is going to be. Um, we're going to announce that right now. Uh, so joining us for episode 60 will be our close streaming friend, The Gifted Faker. Um, you can catch her on stream most nights, actually. She streams quite often. Big video game streamer uh, at The Gifted Faker on on Twitch, I believe it is. I believe there's a the in there. Let me double check that before I go out. <laughs> Join the gifted <laughs> gang. Because <laughs> um, I know some places she goes by the, and then some places she doesn't. So uh, if you were to go to Twitch, there is no the. It is just gifted faker. Um, she's got her channel trailer up. She uh, also is an actress as well and a very close friend of ours. Um, and a very close friend of Mega Hopes, uh, another streamer who has been on the podcast. Uh, so episode 60, she will be our special guest. We're excited to have her on and excited to see what she brings to us to pitch. Uh, we hope you guys join and we hope you enjoy this episode as well as all future episodes, because that's the point of the podcast. You better. <laughs> hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm looking very much forward to Christmas. 
uh, we'll definitely have another one out for you before Christmas. There's so much time. (laughs) Um, But uh, stay safe and happy through the holidays, guys. We love you all very much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, You guys know where to find us on Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Like, review, comment, subscribe. Whatdoyougot.podbean.com if you want to go to the official website. Send Um, Nick scented candles, whatever you want to do. Send Rob unsolicited duck pics, you know? Oh, I love duck pics. (laughs) Funny enough, I send those to Gifted Faker every once in a while. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) On that note, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Vice. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Vice. 